Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm very excited to introduce this next guest. He is currently the Director of Player Marketing at Octagon, particularly in the baseball division. Please welcome J.B. Greer. How are you doing today, J.B.? I'm good, Adam. Feels like I'm about to walk out and, and taking it bad here. That was, that was big time. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so excited to have you on the pod. And for those who don't know about Octagon, they do have an office here in Virginia. But uh, tell me about, you know, what Octagon is all about. Yeah, so Octagon is one of the big four, big five agencies right up there with Wasserman and CAA and, and some of the big dogs. So we have divisions in basketball, baseball, football, soccer, hockey, golf, tennis, Olympics, action sports. So uh, we cover a lot of ground. And then, as you mentioned, I sit in our baseball division. So my job is to uh, service our baseball players, our, our clients that we have, and work with our agents that are out signing and recruiting players. And, and my job is to manage all their off-field initiatives. So that's their trading cards, memorabilia, uh, appearances, endorsements, anything that really brings them revenue or, or influences their personal brand will come through me. Yeah, I love that. And you talk about the importance of, you know, the player aspect, especially nowadays with uh, a player being more than an athlete, right? So how does Octagon promote that uh, through its initiatives with the partnership with uh, the players and other individuals as well? I, the last word you said is the most accurate. These guys are individuals, right? So there's <laughs> not really a, a copy and paste script we can use. It's very much every guy is their own person with their own interests and their own beliefs. So it's really meeting them where they are and helping them get to where they can be and where they want to be. So everybody's different. You know, some guys want to be a massive celebrity and have a lot of followers. Some guys just want to be offline and, and hit home runs and try to get that first contract. So Every guy's different, and I think you know our approach different differs from every guy. But I would put Octagon and our agency and our resources up there with anybody. So we have the resources, we have the manpower, we have the connections. So it it's really comes down to the player and how much they want to do and and how much they want to utilize it and where they want to be. And and that's my job to connect those dots. Yeah, for sure. And you talk about the resources with Octagon. So say for instance, you know, obviously. The team also has uh, their resources as well. So where's the connection between uh, the player and going outside uh, and seeking out the agency like Octagon for self-promotion and self-marketing uh, other than the team and the PR staff of the, the team that they're playing on? I wish it was that easy, Adam. I wish we had, <laughs> I wish we had players coming to us. Uh, it's it's such a competitive business that it's oftentimes uh, pretty much a hundred percent of the time it's the agencies going after the players. And it's, it's really our job to sell those guys on who we are and our capabilities and try to find the right match and the right player. And, and that's what the primary role of our agents are is to recruit and sign the right guys and manage their contracts. And then for me, kind of the second element of your question was how do we coexist with the teams and the leagues and, and other creative agencies and, I think every, again, I mean, every player is different. Every team's different. Certain teams have better or worse content divisions and social departments and photographers. And um, the team is certainly a resource that a player has. The, the team photographers and getting that content and those photos and doing videos and 
anything that a team wants to put out, I think is extremely valuable. And then you also have the league office. Um, you also have the players association that does helps with content and, and helps guys build their brand. And then also your agency. So we're, we're a tool in the tool belt and um, you know, it's, it's certainly uh, tricky, but also exciting to kind of figure out as a player, which one of those you want to use and how much you want to use them and what's at your disposal. I think um, there's, there's definitely a lot of resources and, the agency is is certainly a valuable one for sure and so say for example you guys starting out um you know this year heading into the first month of, of january and you guys you know your agents want to seek out talent how do you guys make that decision and what is that process like from seeking out talent for your agency um, not only for for their perspective, but also to represent Octagon and to help elevate or elevate the brand itself as well. How does that process work? Well, every agent's different, and every agency works differently, and, and recruits differently, and targets different players. And you know, again, I, I'm not necessarily out recruiting guys and, and hitting the youth circuits and the AU tournaments, <laughs> trying to sign these players like our agents are, but. At the end of the day, I think across the board, you want to represent the best players possible that that fit you and represent you and your brand. And there's got to be that that relationship and that authentic connection. But you also want to represent the best players in the world because they make the most money and, and they have the most business opportunities on and off the field. So I think across the board, I mean, I can speak for probably the whole industry. You know, everybody starts at the top and, and you want to recruit the best and then you end up working your way down and targeting and identifying the players that you believe in and that you connect with. And those are the guys that, um, that you target. But, you know, again, that's, that's not necessarily my day to day, but I'm involved in the process. And I also, I mean, along with everyone else in our agency, we want to represent the best players possible that, that are the best fits and are the best clients. So we're, we're all kind of in it together to, to make that happen and identify and, and deliver for those, those players and those clients. For sure. And, and talk about your day to day, what it was like before COVID and how has that changed since the pandemic? And as you got as we continue to you know, progress, uh, every day is changing. Right. So what was it like before? And now as we, uh, you know, progress and continue to get through uh, COVID. Yeah, well, for me personally, I haven't been in the office since March. So uh, <laughs> that changes day to day, it changes my commute. It changes how I operate and the, the tools that are available and how we meet as a team and discuss. And if it, it totally flips all that on its head. So, so that's been an adjustment, but the nature of the business as an agency, everybody's always on the fly. Everybody's always uh, traveling and running and gunning and, and making things work and working from their cell phones. And there's really no set nine to five in the business. You know, you're, you're available at all hours and that's, that's part of it. But so, so it has been a little bit different not being in the office every day and seeing everybody, but the actual nature of the work hasn't changed a ton. You know, everybody's still hustling and, and trying to do the best they can with the tools that they have. And um, but for baseball specifically, you know, baseball is a very old sport and with a lot of people that have industry and they're used to doing things a certain way on a certain timeline. So that's been the hardest thing, I think, for us and, and for the baseball industry as a whole is you know, every year when all-star is going to be, you know, when the playoffs start, when the playoffs end, when winter meetings start, when the, the hot stove season is going. And 
it's it's very cyclical and those things happen on a cycle and they happen every single year at the same time. So I think now just trying to figure out timing and, and everybody's moving at a different pace and different people have different budgets approved at different times now. So just trying to, it, it takes a little bit more work to have those conversations and find out when people are doing things because they were done a certain way for so long in baseball, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, so what was the most challenging part of that? But what was the most rewarding part? Obviously, when the shutdown happened, uh, organizations had to pivot and not just, um, you know, the sports world in general, but everybody had to make that adjustments and understand that, okay, th- we have to make that adjustment quick. So what was the challenging part of that? But also what you've learned and the rewarding part of seeing results still given the pandemic? Yeah, I think the challenging part originally was we had a lot of things scheduled and a lot of things moving and you have high hopes and you have big plans and you have photo shoots and (laughs) social media posts. And we had a lot of deals that we'd have brokered and confirmed marketing deals for our guys, appearances we had booked. So, you know, at a drop of the hat, all that gets canceled. So then you're picking up the pieces of, you know, you're picking up pieces and looking at it and say, can I still use this or do you have to toss it? And, those things that were still salvageable that we could use, you know, we're renegotiating what the fee should be. We're rescheduling what's possible. We're changing things that were in person to digital and then what platform and at what time and who's the host. So yeah, it was just, everything got shattered. So we took a look at it and and tried to salvage as many pieces as we could. And, and um, that was, was certainly difficult, but it was also fun in the, that everybody was in it together. It was not, no one had ever been through that before and, and hopefully never does again, but it was all new to everyone. So everyone was, was scrapping, whether you were at a brand, an agency, whether you were a player, a team, an agent, we were all on, on uncharted waters and new territory. So we were all doing things at, at different times and different paces, but still having to pick up the pieces and, and try to recreate something and, and try to salvage what we could. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And you talk about uh, the players' involvement. Obviously, uh, there's a multitude of pay- players that are very active, very vocal. Uh, but how much of an impact or how much involvement do they have when it comes to, okay, you guys are working with them, uh, and now there's certain campaigns that they want to run, whether it's on their social media, whether it's with certain companies. How much involvement do they have and? How much communication do you have with them, uh, with their agent, to get make sure these projects uh, are executed? Yeah, well, communication is daily. I think that's huh. that's something that was before the pandemic and during the pandemic, and and hopefully after. Is that you're you're always in communication, whether it's scheduling things or, or keeping guys in the loop or asking questions. Can you do this? Can you do that? And um, so communication is is always going to be key there, but. Um, I, I think the player, I mean, the input, ultimately, that's why they have agents, right, is to <laughs> help decide what's the best course of action for me and what should I be doing? And is it going to is my time and my energy on this project going to be worth the fee that's going to be paid or the, the free product that I'm going to get in return or whatever it is? So that's they do have input in the sense of we're always listening and we're working together as a team. But at the end of the day, it's our job to to really determine what's in their best interest and and in the best interest of themselves and their future and their family and everything else. So um, it's, it's just constant communication. Yeah, for sure. And 
when you guys have certain projects, are there certain athletes that you reach out to that are already in your client base or might be a good fit? How does that work when you already have, okay, this X amount of players that you have in your catalog, uh, this person might be a great fit for uh, this event or this uh, project. How does that process work in, in selecting uh, things like that? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So for us, I'm, I'm usually making outreach in two ways, right? I'm either taking a piece of information or a conversation I've had with a player. I'm taking that directly to a brand and I'm saying, hey, hey, both speakers, Adam Vorce is your number one fan. He's a major league <laughs> player. He plays in Detroit or he plays in New York and, and he loves Bose. Could you send him a pair? Could we talk about a deal? So that's like a very targeted approach, right? And that's based on a, a conversation that you and I have had or, or a piece of information I've seen on your Instagram or your agent has told me that. So there's different ways I get that information. And then it's my job to take it to the brand and try to build that relationship with the brand. The other way that I work or that we work is I go directly to Bose and I say, Hey, Bose, everyone knows Bose speakers. So great to meet <laughs> you. Um, you know, what are you working on in 2021? What are your projects? What are your goals? What are your focuses? What markets are you looking at? And then taking that approach, like you mentioned, of trying to plug the right players in to the strategy of both. So two different strategies. And, and I think the one that's preferred is when you have a specific brand or interest from a player and mm -hmm. you can use that. And it, it really speaks volumes. It's music to a brand's ear when they hear that there is a player or somebody specific that already likes it. And it, it makes it more of an authentic partnership. But yeah, the other approach is just I've been going at this for, for almost four years. So just getting to know the guys and seeing what they use and what their products are. And again, communication is key. Just being able to have time with them and understand what their favorite brands are and what they use and, and what their interests are. And the more that I can know at that scale, the more I'll be able to plug them into those, those brand projects that you talk about. Yeah, for sure. And how much of an emphasis is put on, obviously Octagon works on, a wide scale. So do you guys uh, put an emphasis, whether it's national or local brands and do athletes try to focus on local initiatives? I know there's a lot of things that they do in the community uh, across all sports, but baseball in particular, what is the focus there on both national brands and local brands as well? Yeah. Baseball is a very regional sport. So, and that, that goes back to having the regional sports network. So they're on, <laughs> They're on regional TV yeah. and and they're more regional stars than they are national stars. So Eugenio Suarez, a client of ours in Cincinnati, you know, every Reds fan knows who he is. Most people in Cincinnati know who he is or have heard of him or been to a game. But at a national scale, the Reds aren't on national TV all the time and they haven't been <laughs> deep into the postseason. And I'm a Reds fan, so I, I can <laughs> say that, you know, he and so he hasn't had that national exposure. So you're exactly right. So here we have a star in his own market in Cincinnati. So what's really important and what's valuable is rather than try to make him the face of some big national brand instead, you know, let's, let's stay within his strengths and where he's known and let's really just pound the pavement in his home market and try to find the right fits in Cincinnati. So um, yeah, certainly baseball is a regional sport and, and it makes it all that more fun and all that more rewarding when you do have that national name and that national recognition. And when a guy breaks through, um, that's, that's really the goal is to get those big national deals. That's what, that's what everybody's chasing every player, every agent. So when that happens, it's great, but 
in reality, most baseball players are more regional stars than they are national. And I hope that changes. I, I'd love for guys to be more well-recognized nationally. I think that'd be good for the game and good for everybody. But until that happens and until more guys break through, um, every guy's different. So some guys are are you're better better using your time counting pavement locally. And some guys you're better using your time chasing national deals. You just, you got to know your player. You got to know what's realistic and you got to communicate that to the guys. Yeah. I love that. And we've touched on it. Uh, obviously communication is key, but what do you see the major difference between working for a sports and entertainment agency versus the team side uh, of the industry? I, probably a ton of differences uh, when you boil yeah. it down. But, but one of the things that I've seen and th- one of the reasons I really wanted to work at an agency uh, when I was, <clears throat> you know, deciding what, what to do with my life is that when you're with a team, you're really confined or restricted to that team's local market. So that's the biggest difference, right? Is not only do I work for Eugenio Suarez in Cincinnati, but I also have Gleyber Torres in New York and we have Miles Michaelis in St. Louis and Chris Davis in Oakland. So, it really opens up a lot of different markets just for me personally. And, you know, you can go in and out of different markets. We could do the national deals. I could do the local deals, but that's, I have the freedom to do that because I'm at an agency, right? So I can float and work with different brands and different players. If you're working at a team, I, I feel like you're really confined to that team's market. And if you're selling sponsorships for the Cincinnati Reds, you're really limited to that Reds market. If you're selling tickets or sponsorships and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I have a lot of friends who are in tickets and, and, slinging tickets and sponsorships. So there's, there's a certain value in digging deep within a market and, you know, but, but our approach and one of the really, I I see as a benefit of an agency is being able to travel and being able to service different players in different locations and um, not just being confined to the people and the the companies in one market. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And what advice would you give, you know, people who are interested in working on the sports uh, entertainment side of the business? I would say just learn. I mean, I think that for me, I spent the first few years of my career at Teamwork Online, which is really the the hub of sports jobs. <laughs> what that allowed me to do is just learn and just soak in every job across the industry and who hires and and see the different career paths of different executives and talk to people and go to the networking events. And it allowed me to just use those years to really find out where I'd be most valuable and what I would be most interested in and and feel most fulfilled. So for me, I just had to use those years and that time to just learn. So I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're taking a step to learning and Adam, I'm sure you've learned a ton just from talking to the guests that you've had on your show. And that's not to say you have to have your own podcast, but that's just informational interviewing and and just talking to people and meeting people and finding out if your personality is more geared towards sales or service, or if you're more geared towards a team in a certain market, or you want to work, nationally across different brands at an agency so there's really no one that can dictate that for you i think that's something you gotta you gotta take time and find out who you are and really what your interests are and and the only way to do that is just talk to people and, and just soak in information you know and just keep learning yeah i mean you mentioned it uh before you got to octagon uh you were at teamwork online which is a tremendous resource for sports jobs and it's an amazing platform uh, for people who uh, want to get into the industry. Uh, so talk about your time there and how did that opportunity come about? Yeah. So I was using teamwork like crazy coming out of college, <laughs> trying to, uh, trying to find a job, trying to find my lane. And 
um, teamwork posted a job for teamwork and um, <laughs> I, I applied and drove up to Cleveland. I'd never been to Cleveland before. And um, just the opportunity was the opportunity to learn and the opportunity to say, and Hey, you know, you're, you, you think you could be in ticket sales or sponsorships or work in baseball or basketball. And, you know, why don't you come here and learn as much as you can and try to figure out what you want to do. So that was, uh, that was the opportunity that presented itself. And like I said, I did that for the first few years of my career and it was the best possible place for me because it allowed me to really hone in and, and build my skills and build my network and, and really decide where I wanted to be. And that was at an agency and be in Chicago and be in sales. And I had a, obviously I'm a baseball guy. I had the baseball background. So it really allowed me to, uh, to differentiate myself and, and find out what those things were so that when this opportunity at Octagon opened up, I had the network, I had the skills, I had the resources to, to really make it happen at Octagon. Yeah, for sure. And talk about the process uh, at Teamwork. Obviously, it's, uh, I mean, heavy online presence there. Uh, talk about the culture there at Teamwork, because a lot of times you mentioned you were using uh, Teamwork like crazy. And a lot of times those individuals who are the end user don't get an inside look of uh, the inside. So talk about the culture. What was it like to experience the, you know, firsthand of what it was like to work for you know, a provider such as Teamwork Online. Yeah, the uh, the culture is notoriously uh, difficult, very stressful, very difficult. But, <laughs> um, you know, at the end of the day, we had a really, really small staff and that, that stretched us really thin and we worked long hours. But the it's notoriously difficult and it's notorious because there's a lot of people that have come out of there and done great things. So <laughs> it's uh, I, I always say it's like playing for a good coach because practices are going to be miserable and, and you're going to get work to the bone. But on game day, you get results. So that's, um, you know, think about any good coach you've had. They probably pushed you pretty hard. And that was definitely teamwork. It was um, it was definitely stressful. It was a lot of work and, and a lot went into it, probably a lot more than people realize when they're just clicking and applying for jobs. But um those are those are individual relationships with all those teams and agencies that have to be managed and serviced and renewed. And those subscriptions that those teams have to the teamwork online service, that was really the essence of the business. And without that, the business is lost. So we really took a lot of time and energy to 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 work on those relationships and projects and renewals. And it was um, super, super rewarding, but it, it certainly wasn't easy. Yeah, I can imagine. How many times would you uh, cross paths with Buffy in the hallway? <laughs> oh, man. So when we started, we worked out of Buffy's house. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we were <laughs> – I was showing up at her front door or back door every single day for the first couple of years I was there, and then we, we graduated to an office. But, yeah, it was I, – I, I worked for Buffy every day, and, and she, uh, she, she led the company with a, with a strong fist, that's for sure. Yeah, it's awesome. I met her at a few networking events uh, hosted by Teamwork. And yeah, man, it's definitely the leader in, in sports uh, job. So talk about that, uh, the entry into sports. What was it like? Uh, you graduated from Xavier University. So talk about your mindset coming out of school and your path into sports. What was your thinking into propelling yourself into a career in sports after graduation yeah i that was always the goal even going to xavier the goal was to <laughs> to be at a school in cincinnati that i'm from a small town in kentucky so not a ton not a ton <laughs> of pro sports not a ton of sports opportunities so 
Um, even the goal of going to Xavier was to open up those doors. And so that was it. I mean, I, I spent my time there working for the, the fan. It was called Extreme Fans. So we ran the student section for the Xavier games. And I had a couple sports internships there in Cincinnati. And um, coming out of it, I, I really thought I knew a lot. And I thought I could just jump at a job at the NBA or the NFL. And <laughs> I really didn't know as much as I thought I did. And that was uh, – that was what that time my teamwork was was so useful for me and i'm so grateful to be there because that's really where i learned and that's that's where i really got a good understanding of the industry you know being in the cincinnati yeah. market and being in school it only it only taught me so much i could only go so far and being at teamwork really you know expanded my knowledge of the industry and, and what i wanted to do yeah for sure and, and talk about your time at xavier i mean being at a school that is well known. Do you think that helped uh, your path into the sports industry? And uh, obviously, you mentioned you know being in a small town in Kentucky it was definitely a driver. So, do you think if you would have stayed at maybe a smaller school, uh, you wouldn't be where you are right now? Yeah, no, yes and no. I mean, I think Xavier opened a lot of doors, and I'm super grateful for my time there. But <clears throat> at the end of the day, I think that I would say. Mo- most some or most of my coworkers, and and even through the hiring process at at octagon it, it's not like being at xavier got me the job i'd say some or most of them probably don't know that i even went to xavier you know what i mean it's, it's <laughs> not that um it's not that that carries some great weight i think that what's most important and most valuable is who you are and how you show it and how you can communicate it and um that's i think that's most important i don't think you need to be from any certain school to really to do anything or get anywhere i think it's all on you i think a lot of it's more intrinsic than it is what's on your resume yeah i love it i mean i couldn't say it any better a lot of times if it is meant to be it is up to me right yeah 100 percent, adam 100 <laughs> percent. um so you when you graduated uh you did take a sales and marketing bill at fox sports um so what was that experience like and um, you know, tell me about that role uh, at Fox Sports. Yeah, that was actually my internship in college. So that was um, nice. my my senior year of college, summer going into it. And then that that year at school, that was where I interned. And that was really uh, my best internship at the time. But it was Fox Sports Ohio. And <laughs> their office in Cincinnati is the regional sports network for the Reds. So that was, you know, a de facto Reds internship. I was at the ballpark. I was working with all the <laughs> Fox Sports sponsors and advertisers and that was um that was a lot of fun and it was was certainly my favorite internship in school. That's awesome. And um, what other internships did you take part in, or uh, any volunteer opportunities that you did before you got to Fox? Sports? Yeah, so like I said, at school, um, was on the board of directors for Extreme Fans, which ran all the student sections and all the sporting events and games. So talking about T-shirts and selling hot dogs and <laughs> you know giving out promo items at, at women's volleyball games, women's basketball games. It was just being involved with the athletic department. That was it. And then um, I also interned at the Marvin Lewis community fund when he was the coach of the Bengals. So um, that was a super successful charity that he ran with four or five full-time employees. So um, that allowed me to see that side of the business and the, the philanthropic side of the business. And then it was actually my manager there that introduced me to my manager at Fox Sports Ohio. So just opening doors that way. And, you know, I, that was an unpaid internship that led me to the the Fox Sports internship, which was paid. And it was, um, you know, sometimes you got to do 
the dirty work to get those those premium positions. Yeah, that dirty, dirty. Yeah, for sure. You definitely have to. Um, and talk about the power of networking. Um, how impactful has that been for your progression? And what should young students take from you know your experience and the networking in today's environment? Yeah, I think it's an opportunity to learn first and foremost, you know, you could probably gather that from, from everything I'm telling you is um, I, that's just really how I learned a lot of teamwork was just going to those events, those events that you've been to Adam, we might've crossed paths. I don't know when you were going, but um, <laughs> just, just taking the opportunity to talk to people who have these jobs and um, you know, just asking them questions and trying to find out what I wanted to do and really using it as an opportunity to learn. But Really, my advice from there is is not only to use it to learn and come with an open mind and, and a full sheet of questions that you have prepared, but um, beyond that, you got to stay in touch and you got to keep your name relevant. So whatever you got to do, whether that's checking in via written letters or emails or LinkedIn messages, and, you know, it's I'm, I'm not the best at doing it all. I try to be and I try to be intentional, but, you know, social media is a good tool to, to follow the people that you talk to and keep in touch with them and see what they're doing and what they're working on, but, but definitely LinkedIn and social media gives you that opportunity. So there's a ton of different channels, but really you just have to do what's, what's authentic to you and what's natural and just try not to be cheesy with it and try not to do things for the sake of doing them. You should actually do them, you know, and and be genuine about it. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Um, And so, you know, progression, career progression, uh, doesn't have a straight line, right? Um, always, uh, there's no straight path uh, to leadership. But what have you been able to do to get to that leadership position where, um, you know, you did stuff early on uh, to stand out, uh, you know, in the sports industry? You're, you're absolutely right. There's no linear straight line. Every, everybody moves <laughs> at a different pace. And you got to be patient and you got to, you got to understand where you are. And I think you got to be self-aware with, with what your skill set is and where you can fit, not only currently, but where you could see yourself fitting long-term. And if, if what you're doing doesn't match up with what that position is that you want long-term, then you got to look yourself in the mirror and make some changes. Right. So that's, that's one thing for me was just, you know, recognizing like, Hey, I'm, I'm not as good as I want to be or as, as I can be. And then, um, you know, just making the changes in life to to get there. So that might be doing less of one thing to allow you more time to to read or to have informational interviews or network or whatever it might be. So I think that for me, you know, personally at Octagon, just just looking at some of the things in the business and, and picking up the pieces of things that other people didn't want to do, like really just organizing well and, and managing something small, like like all the trading card business. You know, there's a ton of cards in the office and every player signing and, and now trading cards is a little bit of a, of a hotter industry than it was a few years ago, but every player signing and, and getting checks and you got to save the checks, scan the checks, send it to the player. You got to record the number of cards signed. Like there's a lot of legwork that goes into it on our end. So really just cleaning up all that. And then, you know, little things like, like our equipment deals and, and some of the things that don't see a lot of revenue or don't get a lot of glory. You got to be willing to roll up your sleeves and do the dirty work and, you know, that's that's how you make yourself valuable, really just making yourself a valuable member of the team and trying to do whatever it takes. For sure. And I love that uh, doing more is always important. And what have you seen? Why do you think some individuals 
struggled to get to that next level, uh, especially trying to get a leadership position. Yeah, I, everybody's different. And I, I, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I think <laughs> everybody's different. And like I said, you got to move at your own speed and you got to recognize where you are and where you want to be. And I think the most important thing is is for you to answer that question about yourself and, and not get to that point where somebody's answering it for you. Right. Like you should you should be the one who's who's in charge and, and looking in the mirror and saying, hey, I'm not why am I not getting promoted or why am I not moving up? And um, if, if you have to ask a boss or have to ask somebody else around you, then you got to do what you got to do. But at the end of the day, it, it, a lot of times it's just looking at everybody else like a like their competition and you got to show up earlier and stay later and be nicer and be liked more and, and all the things that that matter, <laughs> and the soft skills and the the intangibles that go into to being successful. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and so talk about, um, you know, our mentorship and who has been, uh, you know, someone that you've leaned on uh, throughout your career as, you know, for advice. Yeah, I so think forth. for me, it's it's been a couple people, actually people that I developed relationships with at Teamwork. Um, Matt Kittle was my direct report there at Teamwork, and he's gone out. He leads the L.A. Stadium project out with the new stadium for the Reigns and Chargers, and um, he's gone on to do some pretty great things. So if I'm making a decision or thinking about making a decision, he's usually my first call. And then um, Ben Groneman's a friend of mine who who was at Teamwork, has gone on to work for Top Golf, and and been in the agency space. So um, there's some people in my life that I lean on, and and I think that's super important, right? You if you go alone, it's going to be a lot difficult than, you know, having that support system to, to back you up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I couldn't set it any better than that. Um, so for recent grads and, and students who are may entering um, college now, uh, what advice would you give them when they're looking for internships, uh, especially now as we continue uh, to go through the pandemic? What advice would you give uh, recent grads and students who are just entering college who want to work in sports? I think at the most basic level, you, you got to take what you can get and you can't get too caught up on finding the right job or the right internship. You really have to, again, understand where you are and, and really be self-aware with what's available to you and and find out what those options are and and really take what you can get. You know, if you sit around and wait for too long and decline, 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 then at some point you're going to end up with a position that you don't want. But really, you know, for me, Adam, I, I can only speak from my personal experience and teamwork online certainly wasn't my dream job <laughs> coming out of high school or coming out of college. And it was a place that I had to go because that was the best offer available to me. And, you know, I, I used that time and I recognized what it was and, and tried to make the most of it to advance to a place that I wanted to be. And I ended up exactly where I wanted to be would have played at an agency like Octagon and being in baseball, you know, it's, it's been a, a super blessing being here, but it, it definitely took time and energy to get past that stepping stone of being at teamwork. So teamwork for me might be a minor league baseball team for somebody in, in high school or college that's looking for an internship, or it might be a smaller agency, like, like what you were talking about, right? That's not the big Octagon of the world, but Really, you got to get in where you fit in, and for that's different for different people, for sure. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You hit the nail on the head there with uh, being open to opportunities and going where the opportunity is. Um, so heading into 2021, I know Octagon focuses a lot of events. 
And with, you know, the new year coming up, what are you excited about uh, heading into this new year as we get closer to trying to get more vaccinations into the hands of people as we try to go to not uh, not back to normal, but a new normal, if you will? (laughs) Oh, man, for me, you know, I, I can't speak on the vaccine and being back in the office or anything like that. I'm just excited to be traveling again and seeing our players. You know, I, I haven't seen one of our players, our clients since March, since things got crazy. So uh, we have three or four photo shoots lined up in the next six weeks and just being at, at spring training sites and seeing guys again between now and, and when they report and when things get locked up for them and, and they focus on baseball. Now's the fun time. You know, all the, the fun parts of my job, Adam, are going to games <laughs> and getting to see the guys, and going to the photo shoots, and, and that's really been stripped from us. And um, we've been confined to our markets and where we're living and our cell phones. So really just getting to see the guys and, and see the people at the different agencies and brands and at the leagues and traveling, like that's that's the fun stuff. And I'm excited to get back on the road. So hopefully um, when things open up, we'll be able to have those in-person communications. You know? Yeah, for sure. And was there any adjustments? Um, I know it can be challenging and uh, during season, I'm sure it was challenging, but with the uh, off season, was there any events that were conducted? I know some teams did it, but was there any uh, participation with uh, the players and organizations through like a zoom event? Uh, every team did it differently. Um, and, and I think for us as an agency, you know, we met and had our, our staff meetings via Zoom and via Microsoft Teams and everything else. But uh, we didn't have anything systematic for all of our players to join at once, but just having those individual um, <clears throat> approach phone calls and interactions with our guys, that's that's been key. But, Adam, I got a question for you if you got time. Yeah, go for it. What do you – you talk to a lot of people, and, and you've probably gotten a lot of information from a lot of people. What's your stance on just the state of baseball and, you know, just – just what we could do better and baseball as an industry, marketing baseball. What, what do you think? What's your outlook on everything? Oh, man. Uh, well, it starts at the youth level, right? So I know that being uh, at Ripken Baseball, uh, there's a lot of excitement, right? So uh, there's a lot of teams, a lot of players that are playing. And I think there's a lot of excitement around the youth of, of baseball and getting more players and involved. And I think that's, that's huge. Right. Um, and I also think not only the tournament side, but just getting more access to baseball and underserved communities as well. Um, because not everybody has the money to go to a tournament, uh, as much as, I mean, (laughs) Ripken baseball is a, a prime example, right? We, we have Aberdeen facility, we have the Myrtle beach, uh, we have Pigeon Forge, and we also have the facility down in Orlando that we uh, participate in as well. I mean, it, it's great that we can provide that atmosphere for competitive play, but there's also that other side where there are families that can't afford to have to play a tournament. So how can we focus on that um, and you know bring baseball to more individuals uh, in communities that can't afford uh, those to, to play in tournaments. I think that's huge, Adam. And I, you're the third person that's brought that up, that up this <laughs> week. And I think that one of the biggest challenges for baseball, I guess, at the MLB level is how do you connect 
the product of Major League Baseball with how many people are playing youth baseball and travel baseball. There's so much money in it. There's so many kids playing it that I think there's a big disconnect between the product of the league and who the players are and then the young kids that are playing. So I, I guess it's the league's job. It's the player's job. It's our job to try to bridge that gap. But you hit the nail on the head. Like baseball is thriving at the youth level and there's so much money in the sport at that level with hotels and tournaments and jerseys and trophies and bats and gloves that we got to do a better job at making our players more well-known to that community. Exactly. And I love like, um, you know, on the tournament side, it's, it's a great experience because you're providing competitive play and who doesn't want to be a part of that. I mean, obviously if you have athletes that want to continue to play baseball, uh, you want to make them a part of that. And that's what the competitive play of tournaments has created. Um, but it also, there's that other side where it creates a gap uh, for those individuals and those families who can't afford that. So that's something that um, I know a lot of players uh, can, I mean, like you said, a lot of times it's regionalized. So, um, you know, initiatives in their communities get more uh, youth involved uh, is certainly something that, uh, we can see in the future. Yeah, I, I hear you hundred <laughs> um, percent. Awesome. And just uh, real quick, what do you think? Um, how do you think some players can, can use that uh, in their local communities to help uh, grow the game of baseball, uh, not just on the local level, but uh, as a whole as well? Yeah, well, really, if you think about it, a player has two local communities. They have the the city that they're from and they have the city that they play in. So um, for us, that's that's a big thing is is you can't really abandon where you're from. Oftentimes that place means more to a guy than the city that they're in or the city that they get drafted by. So really straddling that. And, and I, I hate to to you know beat a dead horse, but every guy's different and cares about different things. Some guys really care about youth baseball you know we represent sterling sharp a prospect for the nationals and his biggest initiative is getting black young black baseball players to play the game and and keep them in the game and give them the the tools and the support to stay in the game so for him that's he's very clear and very vocal about what that's what he what he wants to do and that's what he wants to do so that makes our job easier because we could build a program and help him build a program that supports that and around that and then some players you know most guys aren't as sure how they want to help or what their cause is. So it's really just asking them thought provoking questions about, you know, what they care about and things that have happened in their life that um, <clears throat> really trying to tap into them and, and help them find out what it is that they care most about and trying to build around that. So not only just the markets that they're in, the cities that they come from, but these are all the questions, Adam, you're, you're hearing <laughs> it firsthand. These are what we ask the guys to, you know, what's happened in your life? What's happened in your life, your family? You know, what are things that you're passionate about? If you weren't playing baseball, what would you be doing? And these are all the questions that we have to to help align guys and help give them the 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 right thoughts and the right path to, to really make a difference. Well, JB, I really appreciate you taking the time here on this Friday. Uh, great conversation. And, yeah, exciting things ahead. I think we are all excited for a full baseball season coming up i'm right there with you adam i can't wait and um you know this this won't be the last time we chat for sure awesome man i appreciate it jb and uh, enjoy your weekend take care thanks adam i'll catch you soon